That inspire, educate, and entertain. Here's your host, a software innovator, award-winning marketer, and astronomy and space buff, Chuck Fields. Hello, thanks for joining us today for your online coffee break. 50 years ago, in December of 1968, Apollo 8 became the first mission to the moon. To commemorate that anniversary, I've invited back my friend and guest, Dr. Jim Rice. Dr. Rice is the senior scientist at the Planetary Science Institute and the geology team leader on the Mars Exploration Rovers Project. Dr. Rice is joining us today to discuss the 50th anniversary of Apollo 8 and some other lesser-known facts about what was going on in the space race at that time. Hey folks, we have a great giveaway for you today. We're giving away Don Pablo Coffee, a wide assortment of Don Pablo Coffee. And all you have to do to enter yourself into this contest is to share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So again, just share this episode by December 31st, 2018, and you'll be entered to win some Don Pablo's Coffee. Now back to the show. Okay, Pablo, I'm going to try the coffee. Don Pablo, why do you come here all the way from Miami? Because your father grows the best coffee in all of Colombia. Mi papa? But why? Grows very high in the mountain. It's rich, it's smooth, it's delicious. My father grows coffee too. But my father grows the best. Don Paolo, you're the best. Online Coffee Break. Dr. Rice, thank you again for joining us. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to talking to you today about some events in 1968 revolving around the Apollo 8 mission. Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, of course, back on our program. Now, obviously, for some of our listeners out there, we've heard you speak before about Mars exploration, fascinating discussions. But I understand, speaking of Apollo 8, that you're attending the Apollo 8 50th anniversary event with your friend and Apollo astronaut (laughs) Bill Anders. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I got to know Bill initially way back in 2012 when I was at NASA in the Goddard Space Flight Center near Washington, D.C., and um, I worked on this video. I was work- I was the associate project scientist on the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, which is you know, still in orbit around the moon, taking pictures and collecting data. You know, it's an unmanned mission, obviously. Um, yeah. And uh, we produced something at the time. It's for the... Um, uh, you know, the Earthrise picture, the famous picture from Apollo 8 that everybody knows about. Gorgeous. Yes. And Bill Anders is, is the guy who took that picture. It's finally been, you know, there's a joke among the crew, inside joke, that they, each one of them took it. <laughs> and so we did some digging and some stuff with um, our, our um, audiovisual people at Goddard. Uh, again, Ernie, Ernie Wright did a lot of great work on this um, to make it possible. And Bill found out about it. So I don't know how he initially contacted me. I can't remember now, but he told me, he, he called me up and he said, look, uh, my wife is on uh, one of these museum boards at the Smithsonian. I'm going to be in town mm-hmm. and I'm going to get, I'm basically free for a day. And I'd like to come out to Goddard and get a tour of a facility out there. And he said, but I don't want to, I don't want to be meeting the director and all the muckety mucks. I want to meet just average people out there. Nice. I don't want the red carpet treatment. I don't want any of that stuff. If, if he said, if you can't promise me that I'm not coming because I don't want, you know, this big shindig. He said, I just want to go out, meet oh, like the people. That. 
And I said, he said, can you promise me that? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll promise you that. So I picked him up at the Metro station and drove him out to Goddard and gave him this little tour of everything out there. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't meet any of the muckety mucks as he called them, you know, and, uh, <laughs> it, it was, we, I don't know. We hit it off. It was just, first of all, I mean, I was awesome. 10 years old when the Apollo eight mission happened. I remember all this stuff mm-hmm. and to be, to meet the Apollo astronauts who were my heroes growing up and to get to know them yes, and to be able to talk to them and call them on the cell phone whenever you want to talk about stuff. It's really like a dream come true for me. I mean, growing up watching this stuff happen in real time as a kid and now to get to know these people is people and be able to call them friends. It's really a, a, a th- honor and a privilege, but you know, I guess a kid growing up, I never thought I'd be <laughs> hanging out with, you know, the people that did, did, did these missions, you know, and, um, that's why I do what I do today, Apollo. Um, if I had to point back to anything, it's very simple for me. I was interested in space exploration since I was six years old. I've never been interested in wanting to do anything else in my life. And I really honestly think God put me here to do this. But thank goodness I figured it out because I wouldn't be good at anything else. So. I hope that all of you back on Earth can see what we mean when we say it's a rather foreboding horizon, a rather, rather dark and... Uh, Unappetizing-looking place. Let's indulge ourselves. Let's go back. Let's let's set the stage okay. here. So we're going to go back. Apollo 8, just for the specifics, was launched December 21st, 1968. So we're just a few days away from the 50th anniversary. It achieved the lunar orbit on Christmas Eve that year, which I, I just think was amazing. What was it like? Uh, how did we get to that point? Take us back. In 1967, we had the Apollo 1 fire. That was January 27th, 1967. Mm-hmm. That was a, a, a test. It wasn't, the mission wasn't going to lift off till in February, about three weeks later. But they were doing what they called a plugs out test. The crew was on board Gus Grissom, Ed White, and Roger Chaffee right. down at, uh, at Kennedy Space Center. And the fire broke out, and the crew died there on that Friday, January 27th. And this was going to be the first test of the Apollo spacecraft that was going to take us to the moon. Mm-hmm. And it started out in a very uh, tragic manner. Um, there were doubts going around the country. Is it worth doing this? Where people are dying now? Right. Um, you know, we, this, this, this challenge Kennedy gave us by the end of the decade, it, it's just we're, it, it's just crazy. Maybe we shouldn't be trying to do this. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of hand-wringing in the United States. And this was, like I said, in February 21st was the nominal launch date for Apollo 1. You know, some three weeks later, mm-hmm. um, it was going to go out into Earth orbit and basically, you know, test this new vehicle, a shakedown cruise, make sure it's ready to go. Yes. It's kind of an open-ended mission. Mm-hmm. They were going to stay, you know, a week to 10 days or more as long as it kept working and just ring this thing out and make sure we're going to have it ready to go when the time comes to go uh, to the moon. Well, it started out as failure. Now, in April, on April 24th, 1967, the Russians were trying to – Soviets – we're trying to launch their first spacecraft. It's called a Soyuz 1. Mm-hmm. This was going to be part of their moon program. It failed. It was only one cosmonaut flew on it, Vladimir Komarov, and he was up about a day, and on re- and he started having problems on the first day because the solar panel didn't, one of the panels didn't fully extend, so his power was being cut in half almost. Mm-hmm. There was problems with the um, flight um, controls, and they decided to bring him back the next day, which was April 24th. Well, the parachute had problems, and the lines got tangled, and he crashed into this uh, crash landing. He died on impact. Wow. So 1967 is a tragic year yes, for the U.S. and the USSR, the competitors going to the race to the moon. 
their brand new spacecraft they're supposed to be trying out to get them there both fail. Mm -hmm. So that's how this story kind of starts, 1967. Now, flash forward to 1968. A lot of events were going on. Some of them, I'll try to do it in order, but it kind of bounces all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of amazed when I went back and started reading this some months ago. Um, some of the things I don't recall, I was 10 years old, and the Soviet space program was so secret, we didn't even know about it. But I was amazed, and anybody that thinks there wasn't a race to the moon is just utterly wrong. They need to go back and look at history. Absolutely. There was an all-out race to the moon in 1968, was a peak year of it. And so in 1968, I'll start out um, with the Apollo 8 mission. Apollo 8 original mission was supposed to fly the new commands. Now, I mentioned it in October of 1968, mm -hmm. Apollo 7 flew. And that was the first, you know, U.S. manned flight since the uh, Apollo 1 fire. And Apollo 7 was an 11-day-long mission from October 11th through October 22nd, 1968. Mm -hmm. um, and it was Wally Shira, Walt Cunningham, and Don Isley. They were going to do that shakedown mission of the command service module, the Apollo okay. spacecraft, to make sure... You know, it was all functioning, communications, navigation, propulsion, everything, life support. So they were up there 11 days, and that mission was a success. And the success of Apollo 7 had a big role in Apollo 8. Now, Apollo 8 originally was not supposed to go to the moon. Right. Yeah, It was, it was just supposed gonna... to test. Yeah, it was supposed to be a high Earth orbit mission to test the lunar module and the command Apollo command service module. Okay. Mm -hmm. well, the, well, the story got interesting is on August 7th, 1968, okay, there's a guy named George Lowe, who was the manager of the Apollo spacecraft program mm -hmm. at the Manned Spacecraft Center, which is now Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. He reported to his uh, supervisors on August 7th, the lunar module was not going to be ready for this February 1969 launch. That's when Apollo 8 was supposed to go, February 1969. Right. The command service module was ready, Apollo 8 was um, hadn't flown in August August 7th yet, but it was scopes was going October. So in February, this mission that is set to do on the books, it's not going to be ready to go because the lunar module is behind schedule. Mm -hmm. August 7th. Now, August 8th, George Lowe, Apollo 8, how it turns out in history as we know it, was a brainchild of George Lowe. It was on August 8th, he went and met with flight director Chris Kraft. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, why don't we think about sending Apollo 8 to the moon? The lunar module's not ready, so why don't we just, you know, take a leap ahead? And this also, Apollo 8, was going to be the first manned flight of the Saturn V, which is the vehicle, that the rocket took us to the moon. Yes. The Saturn V, now you have to remember, had only flown twice, unmanned, Apollo 4 and Apollo 6. The first one was in November 67, it was Apollo 4, and Apollo 6 was in April of 1968. But there were some minor problems, this thing called POGO where the fluids in the uh, uh, second stage started sloshing back and forth and causing the vehicle to vibrate, and it ah, could lead yeah. to catastrophic you know, destruction of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. But it didn't happen, and the engines fired and compensated for it, and it all worked, but there was an issue with it. Well, the, the, the people who designed this rocket back at the Marshall Space Flight Center, this mm -hmm. is Warner Von Braun's team in Huntsville, Alabama, they said, you know, we can handle it. We know what we need to do. They put in these slosh baffles, and they fixed the problem, and they said, we got it solved. So, you know, the third one, people can fly it. We, the vehicle, we feel cert certified and man-rated. We can, we can do it. So Apollo 8 was going to be the first, you know, crew on the, on the Saturn V launch vehicle, which is that monster. And to this day, that rocket is still the most powerful um, and successful rocket ever flown. And um, yes. so 
So the lunar module's not ready, and George Lowe says, why don't we use a Saturn V? Because we had to have a Saturn V to get us to the moon, to launch vehicle. It's ready. Let's just send the crew out, circle the moon, and come back. Well, that was called a circumlunar. It wasn't going to go in orbit. It's going to loop around and come home. And that kind of changed later on. August 9th, and this is actually, I found this at 8.45 in the morning, Houston time. George Lowe, you can see all this stuff happening in the press time window here. Mm-hmm. And this was all secret. This was all top secret stuff because they didn't want the Soviets to know what we're doing because they'd always been upstaging us at this point, starting with Sputnik 1 in October of 1957. They had the first a man-made satellite. They had the first dog in space, the first man in space, <laughs> yes. first two men in space, first man to walk in space, first woman in space, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. They kept slapping us around. And at this point, NASA was like, you know, it's about time for us to give them a taste of their own medicine. Mm-hmm. So they kept this thing close to the vest. This was considered secret. No one hardly knew about these plans going on. But this meeting on August 9th, he met uh, George Lowe, had met with um, Chris Kraft and uh, Robert Gilbreth, who was director of the Manned Spacecraft Center at the time, and uh, talked about, and they, and they said, you know, this sounds, we can maybe do it, it sounds feasible. And they were enthusiastic about it. At 9.30 that morning, they met with Deke Slayton, who was in charge of the flight crew operations, the astronaut corps. Right. They told him about it. And he was. He said, yeah, it's, it's time for us to take this lead in this race. It's time to win this race. So, And then, it's crazy, that same day, on August 9th, they flew to Huntsville, Alabama at 2.30 in the afternoon. They met with Ron Braun's team. People from Kennedy Space Center um, flew up for this big meeting, secret meeting at Marshall Space Flight Center. And they discussed from 2.30 to 5 o'clock that afternoon about sending Apollo 8 to the moon. And Chris Kraft said, you know, I don't want to just loop the moon. we got to go in orbit around the moon. If we're really going to do this, let's make it worthwhile and make it pay off because this is going to be crucial for getting us down on the on the surface of the moon and, win- and winning the moon race. Mm-hmm. So we want to go in orbit. When we go in orbit, we test out our navigation, our communications, all this stuff. And then we come home. We're now going over, approaching uh, one of our future landing sites, uh, selected in this smooth region to solve the sea of tranquility. Uh, smooth in order to make it easy for the uh, initial landing attempts, in order to uh, preclude uh, so the mission changed again, so now it goes into a lunar orbit mission, which is what it was. Um, they fly home. Um, then on August 10th, you know, this stuff all started on August 7th. This is <laughs> crazy is stuff pace. going on. Yes. On August 10th, Deke Slayton offered this mission to James McDivitt, who was later the commander of Apollo 9. It gets confused. The, the crews flip-flop and stuff. Mm-hmm. And James McDivitt turned it down. He said, you know, I've been training for the lunar module mission we know this, we're going to stick with this. And Slayton said, fine. And he called, brought in Frank Borman and talked to Frank Borman about it. And Borman said, yeah, we're on board. Let's do it. So nice. that, this is all this is happening. And on August 14th, they met again at NASA headquarters and fleshed it out. And everybody had to kind of agree, hey, this is a risk. This is a big risk we're taking here mm-hmm. because it's crew, Apollo 8, you know, Borman, Lovell, and Anders, they weren't supposed to fly till February. Now they're going to fly in December. Okay. And uh, so the training and the mission, their mission changed completely. There's no lunar module. They're not doing higher Earth orbit. They're going to do lunar orbit. And they asked Von Braun about this because this would be, like I said, the first time humans were going to fly on his launch vehicle, the Saturn V. Von Braun said, we've got it ready to go. It doesn't matter if we go in Earth orbit or go all the way to the moon. It's ready to go. 
So that when they got that from him, they were like, we're doing it, you know. Confidence, that's great. And um, so then on September 9th, that's the first time Frank Borman, Bill Anders, and Jim Lovell got the simulator and started training for this lunar mission. And they flew it in December. It's unbelievable yeah. how this all happened. And it all hinged on the Apollo 7 mission. It had to be a success. And it turned out it was, and it was given the go-ahead. Now, on the other side of the world about this time, over in the Soviet Union, there's a lot of stuff going on over there. And it was all secret. The CIA was monitoring with spy satellites, their launch pads down in Baikonur. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff the Russians were doing this kind of same time. Now, the Russians had this robotic um, project called Zond, Z-O-N-D, and in Russian that word means probe. Hmm. Okay. And the Russians, the way they name things, I don't know if they did it to confuse. I kind of think they did, but it, <laughs> it's really confusing their naming system, their numbering system, where they were going. Some, some of these Zonds went to Venus, some, and a lot of the ones we're going to talk about went to the moon. Mm-hmm. Now, on September 1968... Now, this is before Apollo 7 launched, and the Russians had no clue that the planning was going on about Apollo 8, because that was kept top secret. And on September 15th, the Russians launched this unmanned vehicle called Zon 5, and it was the first vehicle to circle the moon and come back and land on Earth. Yes. It didn't orbit, but it circled it. Mm-hmm. And it had on board some tortoise and some fleas and flies and things like that, so it had the first living organisms out there. <laughs> well... These astronomers in Jodrell Bank in England were monitoring the trajectory. They heard a voice of a cosmonaut out there, and they're thinking, Uh-oh. they've done it. The Russians are on the way to the moon right now. <laughs> well, it turned out as a recording, and the uh-huh. Russians put a recording of cosmonauts on there to test out their communication systems. So that caused oh a flurry. Wow. So this is September 15th, and it came in, landed on Earth September 21st, and it was the first spacecraft to ever go around the moon and come back and land on Earth. It's hmm. a big thing to remember. First time, it was unmanned. So that's September 1968, and NASA's aware of this. And so then the CIA says, you know, the Russians got this big rocket on the launch pad down there, and we think maybe they're going to try to go for the moon. And, you know, it's not clear if that forced NASA's hand. I don't think it did. I think because the lunar module wasn't ready was the reason they changed Apollo 8 to do what it did. Mm -hmm. But this was probably in the back of their mind that the Russians, you know, and – so they, they, the Russians sent this thing in September, circled the moon, you know, and is testing out components, and it lands back on Earth. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely interested in this. And, and then in October of 1968, just about a couple months, a couple weeks later, mm-hmm. they launched Soyuz 2 and 3. Now, Soyuz 2 was unmanned, and Soyuz 3 was manned, and it launched with uh, one cosmonaut, and he was going to do a docking attempt with the Soyuz 2. Mm-hmm. And because you need rendezvous and docking to go to the moon and back. Yes. Both the U.S. and the Soviet program had to have those those aspects in there. Mm-hmm. So the Russians were going to do this up there. The docking attempt failed. Now, we didn't know this because the Russian, the Soviet Union kept it secret because it was a failed mission. Mm-hmm. But um, so that kind of plays in. If that would have worked, it would have fed into something later. But it, it was a partial success. He rendezvoused with it, but wasn't able to dock. And he came home. So that was Soyuz 2 and 3. And this is October 1968. Hmm, wow. About the same time as Apollo 7 is up there. Sure. Now, on November 10th, the Russian the Soviets launched Zon 6. Once again, this goes out, circles the moon, comes back to the Earth, huh. and lands on Earth. And it landed less than 10 miles from the launch pad. That was designed to do that. Wow. It was, the, the Zon 5 landed in the Indian Ocean. It was off course a little bit. But Zon 6, precision landing, you know, it was actually, I think, 9.6 miles from the launch pad that it took off from uh, seven days earlier. Wow, that's impressive. 
But something happened to that one. We didn't know at the time, but it depressurized and it killed all the the tortoises and things on there. There are no people once again. But it wasn't the Soviets wouldn't report failures. Okay, so this mission comes back. It lands. That's what we know about. But the fact that it depressurized fed into something. Now the Soviets um, were getting ready to launch people to the moon and try to beat Apollo Eight. And this is unbelievable. When I read this, I had to double check it because I couldn't believe it. But orbital mechanics and laws of physics set it up so because of the location of the soviet union in latitude and longitude they could have launched their mission to the moon december 9th through the 14th that was the launch oh window. my god they would have they would have beat apollo 8 because like you said it left, left, left it off on december 21st unbelievable timing yes, there were cosmonauts is. down at the launch pad in december they were wanted to go because they wanted to win this. It wasn't going to land on the moon, but when a country can put people around the moon, it kind of like you kind of are there, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And the Russian cosmonauts were there. They were pleading to be launched. And the Soviet authorities said, no, nah, the vehicle, we don't have confidence. And the reason they didn't have confidence is because something I've talked about, Zon 6, that was a precursor for a man, you know, a lunar mission. Mm-hmm. The fact that it depressurized kind of hurt their confidence and then the fact that rendezvous and docking in October uh, between Soyuz 2 and 3 made their confidence kind of shaky. you got to wonder, if those two missions had gone off successfully as advertised, yes. they may have indeed launched that window December 9th through the 14th and beat Apollo 8 to the moon. Wow, that would have been and, amazing. And uh, it is unbelievable. I mean, it's just it's, – you, you, you can't make it up. If you made it up, you wouldn't believe it. But this is all real. I was – you know, it's, it's an unbelievable thing. And then, you know – November 12th was the official NASA announcement that Apollo 8 was going to the moon. They kept it secret all up to that point. I didn't realize they waited that long to announce it officially. Wow. And that was 39 days before liftoff. <laughs> yes. Wow. They kept it secret because they didn't want the Russians to know what we were up to. Sure. We, like I said, if you read and get to know some of the people who worked in NASA at those times, they, they were tired of getting beat by the Russians. They were sick of it. I bet. And like I said, they wanted to give them a taste of their own medicine. So when Apollo 8 launched on the morning of December 21st, um, you know, because people were kind of had been had their fingers crossed because the Russians got to try something that window. Cause we knew that window. Mm-hmm. It's orbital mechanics. And then when that kind of time came and went, it's like, okay, and they're not going and we're ready. And everything was checking out down at the Cape. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, they launched and, you know, I should say the rest is kind of all history. But this is kind of, it's the other part history is people a lot people don't know about it is amazing how things have to transpire and, and like you said if one of the have changed that, that could have just significantly changed history and everything it's amazing how it worked out yeah and you know the morning you know the astronauts would have their you know pre-launch breakfast before they go suit up and stuff and uh the night before the apollo 8 crew met charles Lindbergh and his wife and but at the, at the, at the uh, crew breakfast neil armstrong was there he was a backup commander of that mission mm-hmm. oh wait Oh my God! Look at that picture over there. There's the Earth coming up. Wow, that's pretty. But the uh, the the, the reading Genesis, how that ha- story happened, is interesting because you know Frank Borman, who was a commander, he was so focused on look, we just want to accomplish this mission because this is important for winning this race and defeating defeating the Soviets. It was part of the Cold War. Yes, and uh, he was so focused on getting out there and making this mission be a success to set us up for the landing. Um, somebody asked him a question. I think it was an NASA PR person. You know, what are you going to do when you get to the moon? And he's like, I think we're going to do our work. I, I, I don't, you know, what do you mean we're going to do it? Frank Borman didn't even want to bring a TV camera. He wanted the crew to be laser focused uh-huh. on all the mission objectives. That's right. Yes. But he, he gave into it, but he gave into that. 
And I mean, they had cameras for the lunar uh, landing site photography, the, the um, TV cameras and stuff. He was like, you know, we're not up here to do TV broadcasts. We're to test this vehicle. We're going to the moon. You know, no one's ever done this. And we want to make sure we do everything right and get back in one piece also, because if we don't, the mission, the deadline will not be met if there's right. any failure in this mission. And um, and NASA never said what to do. And even with Neil Armstrong's first words, they never they left up the crew members the freedom to do it. And mm-hmm. so Frank Borman at his church asked asked somebody, you know, what you have any ideas? And he came back with the Book of Genesis, reading from the Book of Genesis, the creation story. And uh, they brought it up there on uh, fireproof, you know, cards, flight cards, um, um, and read from the Book of Genesis each one of the crew members. And uh, that that's a moment that will go down in history as long as there are human beings that have memories. And um, mm-hmm. when that mission came back on Earth, it was December 21st. It came back on December 27th. The mission was just a little over six days long. Mm-hmm. We knew we had it. We knew we had the moon then. I mean, it, we still had to land there, but that we had the rocket. We had the spacecraft. We had the capability to go out there and come back. Um, it was just a matter of time. Dr. Wright, I just want to – I think it's great that you discussed you know, Apollo 8, just going back 50 years. Um, I do want to mention that you're available for speaking engagements. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, thanks. You can probably tell I like to talk, and uh, I, I love talking about Mars, but the uh, space history, the Apollo and the Gemini programs, all that, I, I love talking about it. And mm-hmm. um, I've given talks over the years, and I kind of want to start doing more of this type of public speaking to let the public know what we've done and what we're doing and why we're doing it, because – you know, in the United States, it's, it's your space program. Your tax dollars pay for it. And I think it helps to have an informed, you know, populace. But uh, if you just Google Dr. James Rice and input NASA, it will pop up. It's my LinkedIn profile, and you can contact me through my LinkedIn profile. Excellent. I'll go ahead and put that uh, link to your LinkedIn profile under show notes for this episode. So you can Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Not a problem. Dr. Rice, I want to thank you for just joining us today. It's always great to have you back on our show. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Online Coffee Break. Uh, for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament. And divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called these seas. And God saw that it was good. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth.
online coffee break. Wow, I thought it was fascinating to hear what was going on 50 years ago as Apollo 8 was headed toward the moon. If you'd like to learn more about the 50th anniversary of that and the other Apollo missions, just go to nasa.gov. I want to thank Dr. Rice for joining us today. I want to thank you for joining us as well. If you'd like to comment on today's episode, just go to our website, onlinecoffeebreak.com, or give us a call at 317-862-4700. We'd also love it if you'd follow us on Instagram at onlinecoffeebreak. And be sure to rate us on iTunes or share this episode with your friends. Thank you so much for joining us today. See you next time. God bless.